Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to our Midweek Mailbag Podcast here on the Pride of Detroit Network of Podcasts. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. and We are here post-Vikings games, ready to talk about what happened there, ready to look ahead to Seattle. Basically guide the conversation wherever you guys take it here live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Um, and with me to help me out back after a week off. <laughs> a week of sickness. A week of sickness. Managing editor of Friday Detroit, <laughs> the machine at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is back. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I, I'm doing better now. I got uh, with the flu shot and, and my booster, and uh, I was fine for a day, and then it just knocked me on my butt, and uh, I uh, uh, had a hard time coming back. But you know, it took like three or four days before I was back to actually like functioning. It was. Uh, rough well you know that seems to be kind of a uh, a common theme going around right now is not <laughs> yeah. only the illness but just being sidelined for uh for three or four days and i, I think yeah. that's probably where we're going to start our, our conversation today because obviously we have news that swift sounds like he's probably going to miss a, a game or two i'm on ross st brown so so we'll see and obviously the, the big one tracy walker suffers an achilles done for the season and so Throughout I don't a, want to a, talk, a, I don't want to talk. Yeah, about that. yeah. I'm, I I tried to f- no. go through that one as quick as possible just to to rip off the bandaid for you in case somehow you hadn't Gosh. heard. Um, but but yeah, obviously a, a tough situation considering this team was already dealing with a lot of injuries before the season even yep. started. Um, and so we got a bunch of questions about that, and some of them were were just not going to be able to answer. Like why why so many injuries, right? Like. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's there. I wish there was one person or one thing you could point to. I know some people are talking about the the turf at Ford Field and and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. I, you know there there are studies out there that in general you know grass is better on on the joints and things like that than than turf. But I but 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 most of these injuries have either occurred on grass in Allen Park or Tracy's was uh, not even at Ford Field. Right. You know what I mean? Like but turf. So, yeah, but I, I, not Fort Field's turf, right. right? I mean, so I, I think, you know, look, it, it's common to want, you know, when A happens, you want to know what the B result, right? right? Unfortunately, that's just not how things work with injuries, right? Like, yeah. that's not how, look, I mean, look, if you, you can get hurt, uh, you know, trying to catch a baseball without your hand. You can get hurt trying to without your hand here without a glove. Sorry. <laughs> you can, you can, you can, you can trip on a step while holding your baby. And, and you know what I mean? Like there's sure. so many silly little things and ways and, and they're so freaky. Like for example, if you look at the, look at the giants, uh, Dallas game Damn. on Monday night football, Sterling, uh, Shepard, just running in a simple straight line, no cuts, no nothing. Boom. Torres ACLs done for the year. Like it's just, it's a freaky thing. Um, I've tried to talk to, uh, the Lions sports, uh, science director and uh, a couple of times, uh, Joe Costanza and things I've, you know, I, I, there's no specifics. It's just kind of, I'm trying to like set up, a, a, a an interview, which has kind of been stalled, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, let's just say that, uh, but I'm interested. I'm interested in the same thing that that the fans are asking. Like, is there some sort of 
reason why you know these things uh, have occurred and and three Achilles injuries and 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 or actually four if you count uh, Jay Sean Cornell's uh, sure. you know, three years ago right yeah. and so um, you know they're building the Lions are doing their case studies they're two years into their sports science program they're they're building information they're trying to figure out why things work and if you if you are familiar with how sport the sports science programs work it takes a couple of years to build foundational data and then once you do then you can use it to kind of mitigate injuries in the future and help you have some predictive things but injuries are still going to happen and and so i don't know i i think they're in the early stages of maybe finding something out that they weren't aware of or or maybe it's just unlucky you know um yeah uh, it's it's really hard to tell yeah and i i think i think that last point is the one that we always have to drive home because Sports are random, you know, yeah. injuries are random. And, and like you said, as much as we all want to find out why A is happening and, and figure out the B reason, sometimes life isn't that clear cut, right? It isn't just sure. one thing that's causing it. It's not the lions are working them too hard. Or the, the medical staff isn't doing their job. Sometimes it just happens. And mm-hmm. it, it is interesting though, because, you know, one of the things I, I know you looked into in the off season was the Rams program, right? And, yeah, and last, the Rams, yeah, a year, yeah. yeah, a year or two ago, and and how mm-hmm. they have remarkably remained healthy. You know, looking at at certain other stats, you know, adjusted games lost by Football Outsiders, other other metrics of of just team health, and they have stayed in the top five consistently in the past what five years. Yeah, and it, but it took them like three years before they saw results. Yeah, right. And so the Lions are in the beginning of year two right. with with there. So if if you you know can extrapolate that out maybe you see those same results but you know maybe not it's 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 injuries yeah and and the one thing that i i thought was interesting that dan campbell said i think it was last week when he was asked because three or four guys had popped up with back injuries and and yes. he's asked, what you know what's the deal with that and he says well i don't know there might be something yeah and, and yeah that, there might that was that was that was what he said and i kind of appreciated that like he's not just gonna shrug that off and be like Pfft. Injuries are random. And doesn't we don't know? Like who? Like you're you're connecting dots that aren't there. It's like you know maybe there right. is something there. We're, we're that's definitely something we're going to look into so that you know the the whole reason you have the sports science department is so you can see if if there are things that you're doing or things that the players are doing or, or whatever. Um, mm. You know maybe they maybe they're just sitting in the wrong chairs at work. You know maybe maybe they need to change the <laughs> you know. Things like that. Are you, sure. You, you sure. look into all that sort of stuff, I'm sure. Um, when when you're dealing with a million-dollar business, you know, you don't want to leave any stone unturned. So maybe we should just touch on, like, what the sports science program is mm-hmm. for those who aren't familiar. Essentially, the sports science program is, a like, a tracking-type program that inter, interworks with um, multiple departments within the organization. They work with coaches. They work with players. They work with the medical staff. They work with the training staff. They they work with all of these different uh, you know entities. And, and the way uh, Jill Casanza described it to me was essentially the sports science is kind of like the hub, and all those different spokes go out to the different d- departments essentially. And so the sports science is trying to take information from all of these different avenues, and then put them together using you know what they're learning what they know about players what they can what they can figure out from an analytic standpoint and they're combining all these different metrics in order to just and and just general common sense and trying to figure out is there a pattern that is uh, repeating itself amongst the players or amongst a specific player and then they try and set up programs for how to you know best rehab that player and it's it's it just takes a lot of time to to get a system in place where you can utilize it uh, effectively. All right, I think we're going to leave most of the yeah. injury discussion there. I'm sure some other questions are coming, but uh, for our live audience, keep sending in some questions. Um, I'm, let's move to a, a very simple one because uh, I think we can all agree that that last week was a pretty uh, it was it was a step back for the defense. Um, so, so Papa Smurf asked what pieces are still needed on defense? What are they missing on defense right now? I think, you know, depth is, is, is the biggest issue, right? I mean, obviously now with, with Tracy's injury there, they are going to need someone to step up to be a starter. I think most of their plans at safety were long-term, uh, hoping that they could development, develop a couple of guys, uh, specifically, uh, Kirby and, uh, and Iffy. 
And if, you know, that gets accelerated now, there's going to be a learning curve that comes with them getting playing time. If Juju steps in, um, you know, what's his ceiling? Uh, is he just a placeholder? Uh, is there more growth opportunity for him? It's it's hard to tell. So obviously in the, in the, in, in the immediate, it's, it's safety just because that timeline has just been so accelerated. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to need more depth at linebacker, even though linebackers have been playing relatively well maybe maybe uh, the best position right? on defense is that fair to say right. um man i don't know um i think one of the most glaring needs is is defensive tackle next to Aleem. sure uh brockers has flashed here and there bugs has flashed here and there i really haven't seen much out of benito uh, demetrius taylor has been uh, inactive and so you know you still have I think a glaring hole at like each level yeah. and then kind of just overall depth. And then my goodness, you could get a few of these injured guys back. You know, I mean, like look at the edge, they invested so heavily on the edge. Right. And you end up with, you know, two guys that are still on the pup list. Um, and you just lost Kaminsky who's, you know, essentially out. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, three of your seven edge guys yeah. that you've put money into are all are all out. And and Kaminsky, Kaminsky was leading the team in pressures, and and yeah. you know Aquara was supposed to be a starter, and Pascal's the second round. I mean, these are important players, and so you know if you can get some of those guys back, and you know that'll help. But I, I think that if you're talking from a, from a need standpoint, uh, immediate safety, long term defensive tackles is is the one that jumps out to me. I, I gotta say, corner man. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm I I, I, yeah. I know we're coming off of Amani's maybe maybe worst game, but yeah, in but a long it, time. But like that highlights exactly why this is such a big need because the Lions, mm-hmm. they they banked on and and this and I think you, you have to throw Mike Hughes into the conversation because I don't think he was particularly good in this game either. They they banked on the fact that Jeff Okuda and a, and safety over top would win, and they did, and they banked on the fact yeah. that. Amani could take care of Thielen and Hughes can take care of, of whoever KJ Osborne or, or whatever, you know, whoever's in the slot and it failed. Like it, it worked for a half and then the Vikings mm-hmm. kind of wised up to it in the second half. And it was like, Nope, that's not going to work anymore because it, I mean, it's rough. And and listen, I know a lot of people are excited to get Jerry Jacobs back, but I think, I think maybe we need to temper expectations a little bit here. A lot. We like, need to temper expectations a lot. Like this is an pe- under people are expecting. Yeah, people are expecting him to come in and be the number one. And I don't. I mean, right. well, I is it fair to say Okuda is the number one now? Right. Clearly. Right. Yes. And so, I think even expecting Jerry to jump in and be a a even an average CB two, and and I don't listen. I don't think he's gonna jump Amani right away. I don't. Um, no. That, that would Not be a surprise. A, maybe maybe they work him in the slot a little bit. I, th- I think the Lions need help in the slot right now because I don't think that's working out too well. With, with, that's with a Hughes. long-term investment too, right? right? Yep. So with Chase. So, I mean, ha- having having depth there helps, but you also just need a guy that you can rely on right now. And I think Jeff Okuda is the only one you can sit there and be like, okay, I can see yeah. him. He, long-term, I can see him being a good, maybe, you know, maybe a good number one. Now, I agree with you completely. Now, and, and Campbell basically backed up what you're saying yeah. uh, on Monday when he said, look, ORA had a bad game. That's going to happen. Yep. Um, and I, I think the back injury probably played into that That's as well. Point. You know yep. what I mean? Um, like if your back is seizing up and you can't quite move the way you want, you're going to clutch and grab a little bit. And then when they catch you once, they're going to catch you six times apparently. And so, um, but not the seventh times for some reason, whatever. I mean, (laughs) who knows? I don't know how to ref in this league anymore, but, um, but I think they are confident in Amani. And even when, look, Jerry still has at least Jerry has one more week. Then he has reacclimation. And if you follow the reacclimation process that they've been going through, it's another three weeks. So he has a month, right? Now there's going to be two games in a bye, and maybe he's a little further along because of that bye, or maybe he's still got another week after that. And But then even when Jerry comes back, Jerry's going to start as CB4 on the outside, and then he's going to have to jump Will Harris. Now, Will Harris is kind of a specialty guy, so that might not, not, might not be too hard when you're just talking about specific outside roles. But then to jump Amani, 
I don't know. That's 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 a big ass. Remember, this is a guy we were talking about giving contract extension to, and you know, one really bad. I mean, really bad game, and and people have just. I mean, they can't get off the the money ship fast enough. It's it's. Uh, right. We'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, another big matchup this week with two Seattle receivers, and so you know, yeah. Tyler take a breath. It. I know it's I know it stings, and we're looking for fingers to point, but uh, <laughs> and that's an obvious one, uh, but. Yeah, have a little patience with Amani. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Zapper. He asked, uh, after three games, what are your updated expectations for the season? Throw throw out a win loss. Throw out a win loss. Oh, what were we at before? Nine and eight. I think I was nine and eight. You were eight, nine. nine. Yeah. I'm not. This is where I was. I was. They were supposed to be one and two, two and one coming out of this three game stretch. Sure. They're going to beat Seattle, and then uh, we'll see what happens in New England. If they're three and two going into the bye. Then that's exactly where we thought they'd be. If they're two and three, you know, that's that's something where you can make it up. So, I, my expectations have not changed. Um, there's a lot of things that are better than what I thought, and there's things that uh, need to be better than than what I thought they would be. Right. So. Sure. I'm not, I haven't changed a whole lot. Yeah. I don't think I, I changed off. I, I can't remember if I officially, I remember in the game by game, I said eight, nine, and then I'm not yeah. sure if the, like right after, right before the season, I, I may have dropped to seven and 10. I don't know. Either way, I'm, I'm definitely still Ooh. in that range um, <laughs> because I don't know, like you look at some of the advanced statistics through three weeks and they're pretty much exactly what we expected. I think of this team, right? Like, well, the offense has top, offense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we all agreed like the offense had top ten potential. The one thing we were mm-hmm. still curious about, because again, you can never really tell in training camp or the preseason, like this run game actually going to be legit. And yeah, so far so good. But I, I think we're we're coming a little bit back down to reality. And part of that is Swift injury. Part of that is like you're just not going to have fifty yard rushes yeah. every game. Yeah. Also. Um, so I, I think, you know, above average running game, Goff looks better, um, certainly Confident. a lot better than he did last year. Um, I, I thought last week was his, was his best game by far. Um, and, you know, defensively, I, I think maybe maybe they're a little bit further behind than I thought they were going to be. Um, they're not uh, – expectations were really? fairly low. I mean, I guess you think I, they're further – what's I, the DBOA? Do you know this week? 23, 24, something in that range. Okay. I can remember several conversations where we did Spotify live sessions sure. like this. And we said, if they can get into the low twenties, yeah. this is going to be a huge help. Like not, this is, this, this was hopeful, right? Like but, this, I don't know, like the DV, but when you saw what they could become and then they take a step back, I, like, I think, I think that's re- part of it. Like I really right? started to believe that maybe this team could stop the run a little bit better than they, sure. they certainly showed in, in Minnesota. And I don't know. The game plan in Minnesota was interesting. I, I talked with it about Justin Rogers. He's tweeted a little bit about it. In fact, he asked a question, really good question to to Campbell about it. And I I feel like part of the reason the run game really struggled against Minnesota was actually the tackling of the secondary. Because I feel like the if you if you watch the tape, you look at the strategy, and they were crashing down the edges very aggressively in in an intentional way, so that mm-hmm. you, you basically had your your corners and your safeties running free up against someone like Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I mean that's that's advantage Delvin Cook every time. Sure. So I don't sure. know if it was sound strategy there, but I don't know. Like as, well, as much I, as know, as much I, as I love DVOA, Eric, this is yeah. this is still the I, I think the worst scoring defense in the league right now. Well, you're about to see a bad defense this weekend. True. So true. <laughs> um, I, I they knew what to do. They they said it. They said. This backside cut that that yep. Cook is going to do yep. is going to is going to kill us if we can't hold it, and they couldn't, and right. they just couldn't hold it. Yep. Like they they knew the strategy, they, they they but they they failed on that execution, and, and so, um, it, and he, they just kept repeating it over and over. I mean, like even once they get once they got guys moving laterally, they just moment, used their momentum and just and just kept. I mean, there was Aleem was getting washed a couple of times too, and Aleem had I thought had a great game. Uh, you know, but there were a couple of times when Aleem got washed and really he shouldn't at his size and the way he dominates and the way he can gets upfield, like he shouldn't be getting caught up in the wash. And, and even he did a couple of times. And so um, they just, they, they had the right idea. They just didn't perform. Didn't execute. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen with this team. Sure. Like this Young. team is not a team that's going to be perfectly 
able to execute the strategy on what you need to do. Right. Right. Like, and I want to get more into this game. I have a couple of points, but I okay. want to see if they come up in questions before I, you know, take over the whole podcast by myself. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, the only thing I'll add before we're going to take our first break here is you, you mentioned the lack of depth and someone was asking me about that on Twitter this week, you know, why, why are they so thin at depth? And I think the answer is because they made a conscious decision that they wanted young players. They wanted to use yeah. those depth positions for developmental players. And when you have to, yeah. when you have to speed up that process because of injuries, well, that's when you get a whole bunch of errors and, and miscommunications and, and things like that, yeah. that, that look bad and make your coaching staff look bad and make your, your general manager look bad, but it's all part of the learning process of getting those guys mm -hmm. up to speed eventually. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes time. It takes time for these guys to, to acclimate and develop. And that's, you know, we look at the, we, we, we get into the strategy as fans where we look at the draft and we're like, oh my gosh, if we can draft this guy and this guy and this guy and this, we can have seven starters. When in reality, it's like, you're going to get one, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you, you might get two. Like if you get two, you're in good shape. If you get three, great. That's a, that's a successful draft. Um, but you know, we sometimes get so enamored with the shiny new objects in front of us that we 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 think like these objects are going to just and it takes time. And, and that's the reality of the thing. And so um, it's going to take time with Kirby. We knew it was right. Like he only had one year as a starter. Right. Yep. Um, Pascal injury, you know, comes into play and, and that hurts. But like you got one starter in Aiden, you got another starter in, in Malcolm, right? Like you're, you're getting there. You get one more starter. That's a, this is a good draft. Right. And it's just a matter of, you know, will someone else rise or will you get another guy to step in? And, but for, for the most part, most of those guys, it's going to, their body, a lot of these guys are a year away from really being able to be more impactful. All right. And with that, we're going to take our break more in the midweek mailbag when we come back. So stick with us right here. We are back here on the midweek mailbag. Myself and Eric Schlitt answering your questions live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit every Tuesday afternoon-ish, somewhere between the 12 and 2 uh, hour. Um, let's go right back to our live audience here. Uh, question from Lantana. Question for the president of the Jeff Okuda fan club, and I think we might have to debate who that is. Um, <laughs> if Jeff plays like this the whole season, is he considered a lockdown corner? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I think lockdown gets thrown out uh very liberally sometimes sure. right um and, and and while he has been very good um last and he's getting a ton of credit for shutting down justin jefferson but he was able to play a lot of underneath coverage because he knew he had a bracket yes. over the top which yes. is the exact right game plan that you're supposed to do with, with jefferson like a hundred percent they did the right thing um but it wasn't all jeff now jeff was one-on-one -on -one a lot and he still managed to just you know keep him off the books there as well so but yeah i mean he's he's headed in the right direction where he's going to be i mean he should he's probably the clear number one on the team right now and uh but lockdown status i don't know i it's in his range it's in his range i just don't know he'd have to he'd have to take a few more steps right. forward and and listen like he's but like you said, you know, DK Metcalf and, and uh, Tyler Lockett this upcoming week, another set of really good yeah. receivers. And, and that, that doesn't stop. Like this is this is a league of really, really good receivers. But listen, the fact that they and I know, like you said, he had safety over top. But the fact that they had him shadowing Justin Jefferson yeah. really, really says a lot about how much they believe in this guy and, and how much they think he's, you know, the level he's playing at right now. You don't trust a guy to do that, even with over the top help unless you, you really believe this guy's playing at a high level. And listen, he is. I mean, he. I don't want to say he shut down three guys in, in three straight weeks because, again, that's kind of oversimplifying what happened. But mm -hmm. he's confident. He's playing well. As, as Dan Campbell said last week, he, he has not lost anything physically in terms of his speed, in terms of his mobility, anything like that. And so, yeah, I mean, if he can do this for a full season, like, yeah, maybe. But we're not we're not there yet. We're not we're not close to there yet, I think. And, and think about the leap that you take as a corner 
once you get like 15, 16 games under your belt, like you typically then that's where you see your next big leap. And, and that's right about where he is right, right now. Right. Like yeah. he's in that range where he's just now starting to get a hand enough, uh, you know, snaps under his belt that he could turn a corner and he could elevate his game even more. I personally, I don't think we've seen the, the top, that the top output from him yet. I think he's still an ascending player that can be, you know, one of the better corners in the league. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so long ago where like the, the saying was year three is when cornerbacks really seem to settle in. And this is technically year three for him, but it's almost really like the, the end of his year rookie two. season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I think definitely trending in a really positive direction. And I don't think you could have expected much more out of him through three games coming off that Achilles. Think of where he was. I mean, he was competing for a starting spot a when camp like opened, a month ago, right? two months. And ago. then all right. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, he's playing well. Okay. He's playing better. Okay. He's taking the next step and you could see him slowly getting better. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, he's better than Will Harris and it's not even close. And yeah. then it was, okay, now he's creeping up on trying to be the number one. And it's like, okay, now he's the number one. And where else could, I mean, I, that's just, he's just going to keep climbing in my opinion. I, I, I'm very happy that he was able to come back from his Achilles this season and not next, because I don't think I would have been able to handle the, uh, the bus talk for too much. Right. Just the growing frustration. (laughs) He's finally out there. He's finally playing and he's, he's playing at a, at a much higher level than, than a lot than we've really ever seen out of. Absolutely. Uh, next question comes from Katie asks, how would you grade Aaron Glenn so far? I feel like he isn't living up to the hype, but is that due to lack of talent or his coaching? I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Sure. I think talent is a, is a big factor. I think he's been really smart in utilizing the blitz. I think he's been passive at times. That was a bit unusual, um, which is ironic considering uh, you know that he's can really dial it up. It's kind of a reflection of the head coach. Like I was that, just right? I was just about to say Dan Campbell, the most aggressive <laughs> um, guy, until he right. gets tantalized by a fifty four yard field goal. Um, I in my opinion, I think Glenn knows what to do in the right spots. And, um, but he is still only a couple games into his second year as a defensive coordinator. And so there's going to be mistakes. Um, and I think to expect him to be perfect in year two is that's really a really high bar. Uh, but I think his, the lack of success is more of talent based as opposed to coaching. Yeah. And, I think you bring up a good point because there's kind of two parts to his job, right? It, it is the play calling. And I think that is something mm-hmm. he's still learning and getting better at. And um, yeah. that's something that we maybe need to preach a little patience to ourselves with. But player development also remains a huge part of his job. And I think on that mm-hmm. front, we're seeing a lot of good things. You know, not not everyone is, is where we want them to be. But, you know, I, I think you have to be happy with like – Jeff Okuda is, 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 in, is in a pretty good spot. Um, you know, the, the fact that we, we got as much as we did out of Charles Harris last year, maybe it hasn't been there yet. I think Aleem is playing better than most people realize right now. You Tracy know, Walker took a step. Tracy Walker. Yep. I, I, I hate to bring that up as an example, but he was playing pretty damn well at the beginning of the season. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, there are definitely some questions too. Like where, what's the deal with Derek Barnes? Is he ever going to be a starting linebacker on this team? Um, you know, I, 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 I guess not Not everyone is progressing at the rate that you'd like to see, but that's called the NFL draft. That's called football. Like not everyone reaches their full potential and that might not yeah. have anything to do with coaching, right? It's an interesting case because he was in the mix for starting. Derek Barnes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in the mix, you know, for a long time, right up until the end. And then he was still, you know, getting reps in week one. And then they just shut him down. And it's, I don't know if there's like, if the plan, if it's just like, he's not playing as well as Chris Board, because he's not. Uh, or if it's, if it's a, hey, let's scale him back and, and and focus him a little bit more and then unleash him again a little bit later. Kind of like, look at what they, like with James Houston. Like they were like, okay, we got to scale things back for him and then we're going to build him up and then we're going to be able to have him down the road. And, and maybe that's what they're doing at this stage. Maybe they're trying to reset him and, and kind of see where they go. Um, I don't know. 
It'd be interesting to see because it was kind of a drastic like 180 where yeah. he went from contributing to not. Yeah. And I think I think maybe the other thing that that is falling on, on Aaron Glenn's lap fairly or unfairly is like the, the secondary miscommunications. You know, that was a very yeah. common thing that we talked about all last season creeped up a little bit uh, on, on Sunday. Not not as much as I think people, you know, there was a the deep shot that, that Cousins just missed. And then there was mm-hmm. obviously the touchdown at, at the end. Um but you, I mean, you have you have to figure figure in like you lost Tracy Walker, who is your main communicator in the secondary, yeah. and mm-hmm. and as everyone said this week, the smartest guy on defense. You take him out of the equation. Well, like yeah, there's going to be a little scrambling to do because as we just said, the depth on this team is young and inexperienced. Juju Smith is a guy who's not played a lot of football. Anyone else? There, anyone else that steps in if it's iffy has not played a lot of football. Guess what? There's going to be communication yeah. mistakes when he steps in because that's yeah. just that's just what happens when you play football for the first time at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Especially in the scheme where you're passing guys off, right? Um like in a lot of ways we 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 talk about how the offensive line works really well uh when you can have consistency amongst the starters because it helps the communication level work. Um it's the same thing in this scheme when it comes to the secondary is you need to be able to have that consistency of working with the guy to be able to pass them off and understand where they're going. Now, what the, the, with the injuries on the offensive line, we've seen that work because of um, Hank Fraley and how Hank Fraley intermixes them positionally during practice to the point where they know how to work together in different scenarios. And he's got, that entire group of like 10 guys working as cohesive units, intermixing different positionally. And just, and, and so he's, he's been working on establishing that communication for, you know, weeks now, years now, even, I mean, realistically with some of these guys. And so injecting somebody into the starting lineup for the secondary, you're almost playing a little bit of catch up. And uh, like you said, there's going to be these communication issues. I don't care who, is back there and replacing Tracy. It's you're going to have to be conscious of that, and they're going to have to be very loud and talking to one another. So, uh, ideally, having this game at Ford Field will, uh, you know, allow it'll be a little easier on them. No, it'll, it'll be harder. Well, maybe I mean, be, like, because the, the crowd's going to be loud when the right, defense is on the yeah. field, right? No, I agree with you, but um, right. I, I mean, okay. I was thinking like more like how the crowd doesn't necessarily maintain that level through. Right. And so, um, but yeah. All right. It could be a little trickier. Something to keep an eye on. Um, Quick. uh, This is a quick one that we can just kind of knock out here. Alien Viver asks with week four here, is anyone activated off IR and plays in week five? Jacobs, Cabinda, Onzerike. Point of clarity. You have to miss four games before you can be activated. Correct. Correct. So no one will be activated this week. It would have to start next week. And then they, they could theoretically play in week five, but given how the yeah. Lions like to kind of, like you said, the acclimation period has been set at three weeks. It might be different for some of these veterans or some, some guys mm-hmm. who've been around the building. Like Jerry's been moving around pretty good. So I think there's a chance he doesn't have to wait the full three weeks. But yeah, yeah. In, in terms of the guys, I think we talked about this last time, the guys that are closest seem to be Jerry. I think mm-hmm. Kabinda's probably somewhat close and then everything else is kind of like, Oh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I I guess, especially with the bye in week six. Right. Um, I don't see any of the guys on pupper or NFI being activated, working through the acclimation process ahead of the bye. Right. I think all of them. Yeah. You're talking, you're talking about the Cowboys game at the earliest for some of these guys. And some of them won't come back till after the, the Cowboys game. And some of them won't be ready at all. Like there's some guys that they're like with, with Romeo, right. I'm not expecting Romeo to be back by the Cowboys game. Um, yeah. I just, I think that's like a fingers crossed, maybe Thanksgiving type of thing. Yeah. Uh, next question from JP is me as how do you feel about sharks usage? seem to be getting more underneath targets this week. Um, and I know some people, we, we talked about it last week about maybe being a little disappointed in his, mm-hmm. his early start. He picks up 40 yards on the first drive of this game. And then I think he catches one pass the rest of the game. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Chark so far? I got this question uh, on Twitter too. I think we got it in our, um, in our feed. And then uh, I've got it personally as well. Um, people asking is, it went, when when Jameson is ready to come back, 
Uh, is he possibly going to eat into Chark's targets as opposed to Josh Reynolds? Because Josh Reynolds has been was the better receiver last week. Sure. And in my opinion, I, I still think Chark is the, is the best receiver on the outside. Uh, I think he's better than Josh Reynolds. I think Josh Reynolds is the beneficiary of Chark drawing that extra attention, right? Yeah. Chark is always going to draw the number one corner. Uh, Chark is part of the appeal of Chark is that he's going to stretch the field and he's going to draw other people to him, which right. then frees up other people like Josh Reynolds to be the guy who, who ends up making the catches. So I still think Chark is, uh, the best outside option. And so when Jameson comes back, I still think Jameson is going to eat into to Josh Reynolds targets. Um, but I do, th- I, I do agree with the fact that it would be neat to see him get more um, underneath targets. It yeah. would be neat to try and uh, when guys are not playing him head up, shift him into the slot. You know, get him in a more favorable matchup and, and let him try and get some yak on, on a quick crosser or something like that. I think there's ways that they can get him involved a little bit more. But a big part of his game is the attention that he draws freeing up other people. Well, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they maybe use him in, in more of those situations now with, with Amon Ra being a little dinged up. We don't know if he's going to miss a game or not, but it sounds like that's certainly yeah. on, on the board. And so what do you do there? And I, I think that's kind of an interesting topic of conversation like we saw a little bit of Khalif we saw a little bit more of uh, of Quintez I don't I don't know if, I think Khalif got a a target or two but I don't think Quintez did um so we'll see we'll see a little bit more of them but I w- I wonder if if part of the strategy there is to maybe move around some of the, your your top two guys in the slot a little bit there yeah, if, if, if St. Brown is not available, you have to be more creative in getting Chark open because yeah. he's your next best pass catching option. Um, I know the Josh Reynolds connection is, is, with Goff is great, and there's a trust that you can build there, uh, but I don't think Reynolds has that range that Chark does to be able to shift him around in places. So, I, yeah. All right, uh, we'll go with two more here. Another one from Atlanta. I like this one. What game would concern you more if we lose? Seahawks at home or Patriots away? Seahawks at home, because I don't think the Seahawks are, are, are very good. Um, the The Seahawks defense has been Talk. just a, a shell recently. Yeah, yeah, like it really has. Been. Um, they didn't force a three and out until the end of the second quarter of game three. Mm-hmm. Okay, like they didn't force an offense to go three and out in the first two games, period. Right. Like they they're just not aggressive. Um, If you look at their like if you're just like trying to casually look at what their roster looks like and you look at their PFF scores. Right. um, You have their I think there was one player on their defensive line that has a, a PFF grade above like 40 or like in, in the forties, like there's only one, like all of their guys are not just getting low PFF grades. They're getting like really low PFF grades. And you read the articles on like uh, field goals, you know, the SB nation uh, Seahawks site. And they're just like, if this defense isn't the worst in the league right now, I don't know what is. And so like, I, I only saw, I haven't done my full game watch yet from, from there last week. I just watched, uh, the the you know the game it was when they, when did they play um was it sunday night that they played i'm trying to remember what game i i saw a chunk of it for whatever reason um oh they played denver on uh that was a week no they, denver they play, was week they played one. Atlanta. i saw that game they played atlanta, yeah, atlanta. thank you thank yeah. you so I, I i think i just watched the highlights i haven't watched my full game recap yet but um but it you know they they didn't seem to really be able to have an answer for atlanta who um, just was kind of moving the ball all over them. And and Atlanta was 0-2 going into the game. And, um, you know, I guess they hadn't been – I don't know. My point is – I'm getting off track here. <laughs> My point is is the Seahawks game is really set up for the Lions um, to do well. And it's at home. I would be a lot more concerned with that. Like, just, just because it just seems like they're in a, a spot where they should win this week. Yeah, I, I I do think the Seahawks offense is maybe a little bit underrated. I think I think they're yeah, moving no, the ball pretty good. well. And and um, mm-hmm. why can't I think of the quarterback's name? Um, Geno Smith. Geno Smith is is yeah playing well-ish. 
you know yeah they got they got good skill players yeah. and they got a good skill players so i don't i don't think this is like a walk in the park I, again I, I remain pretty surprised by the six six and a half point line on this game and maybe this is just me protecting myself because i feel like if the lions lose this game lions fans are gonna lose their freaking minds in fact i know yeah. they will certainly um, um, so there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot on the line in terms of just the morale of this fan base for this game, mm-hmm. but it's not. I mean, this is the NFL. And there's there's no game that you can just be like, "Yep, we got that one." And while I think right. this is this is one of the easier games on the schedule, you, you still got to come out and play it. And if the lines are missing Swift, and if the lines are missing Amonra, and they're they're dealing with some shuffling of safeties, like mm-hmm. this is not a gimme. Yeah, no, but this offense is if, if this offense is as good. As, as what we think they are, they should be able to move the ball and, and they should be able to score. And, you know, it could end up being a shootout again. Sure. And that's, you know, if you put yourself in a shootout at home, you should, the, the, the arrow should point towards you. And then I, I think a lot of the matchups I, I, I like is pretty good as well. So, you know, on paper, it, it, I see a lot of arrows pointing towards the lions. And I think that's, you know, look, and, there's a reason Vegas is is given putting out the line that they are. No, they were wrong about the Vikings. Per usual, lines three and zero against the against the spread. Well, that I mean against the spread, right? But sure. you know, so it, the Lions, uh, if they're three and zero against the spread, then this should be a, this should you know be a touchdown victory. Sure, right? Yeah, because uh, Lions always play really great with a six point spread, right? There's no well, counter examples. No, but my. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but my point is, is if they've been covering the spread, you know, yeah. you gotta like, you, sure. you gotta like where they're at. Uh, all right, we'll end with this one. A little Jared Goff talk from McVeigh. Rob asked, "Do you think Goff's play is surprising? He played great last week and has been pretty good through three weeks." It's a little surprising um, because he's been trusting his offensive line a lot more, um, and they've been, you know, coming through for him. I think he's he's hung in the pocket a little bit more than he, he you've you saw from him in the past and uh when he has decided to make his legs work um he's it's he's been relatively effective with him it's only a handful of 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 chances but he's done it i mean to the point where you were even doing a golf scramble count right on twitter during the the game right the the little spin Uh, move he did it three times on and it worked every time and it worked every time and then like you know he had a what he had a, that like 10 yard scramble and wash against Washington to, to keep the drive going on. That was a pivotal drive. And uh, so you can tell the trust level is there. Um, like remember last year, all that stuff that he was doing, leaking out the back of the pocket, they didn't have Taylor Decker during when he was doing that stuff. Right. Sure. And, and so he's, I think he's gotten more comfortable. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that, with that comfort comes confidence with confidence comes a, a, a more successful Jared Goff. That's, that's been the MO on him, you know, since day one. Yeah. I, I would say most has not been all that surprising. I, I mean, partially because we saw it at the end of last season, yeah. partially because we saw a lot of it during training camp. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think that thing specifically on, on Sunday, his, his movement in the pocket was the best I've maybe seen it since he's been here in Detroit. And yeah. it, and it was huge. Like, he got out of sacks. He was able to throw the ball away and maybe his best play the, the entire game. I think it came on like a fourth and two Minnesota ran a stunt. And I think it was the Smith just came screaming right up the middle. He just like casually sidestepped him, rolled to his left and found Khalif for a five, six, seven, eight yard gain on, on a first down on a fourth and two. And so it was a huge play in the game. And that's something that I just, we hadn't seen that out of him at all. And it's mm-hmm. like, Part of his game is that he's actually kind of okay at throwing on the run. It's just a matter of getting into open space, evading the yeah. pressure that he's just not very good at. And so if he can continue that, like that's a whole nother dimension to his game that that really has been untapped since he landed here in Detroit. You know, I, I have other gripes with him. I think I think he his his in general his overall accuracy has not been up to snuff for me. Um missed on a, a few deep shots in the first two weeks and you know, he had that unfortunate one where, where Josh Reynolds just lost it um, yeah. on Sunday. But the lines need to connect on more of those, right? I, I feel like that's that's the one thing that Goff and his receivers just haven't connected on yet. There hasn't really been, you know, what's the deepest pass he's thrown? That touchdown pass to, to, to DJ Shark? 
I, I feel like that's good. the deepest pass he's, he's connected on Maybe. so far. And so I feel like that's the one dimension of this offense, of this passing offense, where all the explosion plays are coming on the ground. I, mm-hmm. I need, I, I want to see more through the air. And so, um, you know, you can blame golf, you can blame the receivers. It, it's, it's a little bit of both. You, you Honestly, you may have to because you may have to see those explosion plays come through the air because I don't know if their ground game is going to be as effective with the couple of moves that they made, right? Sure. With Swift being hurt and with shifting Evan Brown in in favor of and, – and then putting Logan Stenberg on the bench. Yeah. I thought that was a strategic move because they wanted to be more pass heavy. Right. And and I think you saw that negative result on the ground. I think a lot of the impact uh, or or lack of success you saw last week, and I say lack of success, he still had 140 yards, right? Right. Uh, but comparative to the first two weeks, I think that 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 running game went was a bit of a downgrade because either they knew Swift wasn't going to be he was hurting and they were like, okay, we've got to be able to protect golf more. If we're not going to have Swift, it'd be as impactful. Right. Um, or they said, you know, we just have to, we want to put the ball more in golf's hands in this game. And, and we're willing to like sacrifice the run a little bit. And so if Swift isn't going to be around for a couple, I think that's the strategy going to be moving forward is they're going to say, yeah, we're still going to try and chunk, you know, yards in the run game, but I think what we saw over the first two weeks isn't going to be there necessarily with Swift not available. Like I like Jamal, but Jamal is kind of what he is. Right. He's not that explosive play guy. Uh, Craig can be that explosive play guy, um, but he, you know, I don't he's far know, less he didn't consistent. Have a great game. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know you're uh, a Jamar, uh, Jamar, a, uh, a Jackson guy. Yeah, yeah dude. JJ's are killing me yep. with them, right? Um, but I know you're a Jackson guy. I'm not as much a Jackson guy. I get that. I get what you like about him, uh, but he is on the spot in the roster where he is kind of for a reason in my mind. Um, I don't know if Jermar Jefferson, you know, he's a little bit more decisive, but he hasn't. He's was not nearly as productive as the other two were. Um, I still think I would lean on Craig and try and get Craig into a rhythm and try and get him to go. Sure. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know when you lose a guy like Swift, your running game is going to be impacted. And they've almost like said, we're going to shift away from it and, and, and put in a guy who's more pass better pass pro because we want to put the ball in Goss hands more. And so I, I don't know. I think it really impacted like how, efficient they were like in my sure. mind they oh, were question. using they were using the running game and then that was making it a lot easier to come up with the pass trying to throw the pass to set up the run isn't isn't as effective and right. i don't think they're as effective as doing it and that almost seems like what they're going to have to do the next couple of weeks they're almost going to have to use that pass right to set the run up and i don't think you really want to do that in my opinion um or i, I don't think that's as as impactful so maybe you're not that's why you didn't see 35 points last game that's right. probably why you're not going to see 35 points next game even though it's a bad defense my guess right uh but i i would like to see them when they get guys healthy go back to what they were doing in the first two as opposed to what we saw in minnesota yeah even though i think we're going to see the minnesota type offense the next couple of weeks well let me let me throw some some heat on the the justin jackson fire from jared right. goff today on 97 when the ticket says we'll definitely have to do some things a little different referring to the the absence of deandre swift if it's if he doesn't play but we got players man we got guys that can step up obviously we have a lot of faith in jamal and craig reynolds but justin jackson will step up in some way i'm sure and we'll do some things a bit a little bit different swift is a great player and we'll miss him but we have guys that can fill in when needed he's a veteran like he's got good hands he's probably your best pass catcher um I, I just oh, think yeah. it's 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 more of a you know obviously no he's he's not as explosive to Swift but in terms of just the the explosiveness the the archetype I feel like they're they're probably the closest. I I get why you say that I do, and I still think in the scapping scheme that they run yeah I still think Craig is their better option okay. um even even better than Jamal. 
And I think Jamal is, he is what he is. He's going to get you a handful of yards when you give it to him. He'll get you four yards, five yards. Uh, but he's not going to be the guy that, like, gets you eight, yeah. right? I mean, he will. He will. I mean, Never I'm exaggerating. <laughs> You're right. But um, but I think just just the way that the gapping scheme is and the way that you're asking guys to run downhill and then you want that little bit of athleticism kicker. Yeah. I think you can get that out of Craig. Um, and I know that 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 Jackson has that. He definitely is more of an athlete. Right. And he is definitely a more veteran guy who can, um, you know, you can count on. But until I start seeing him recognize and just flying downhill. Right. That's the vision, right? That's the big thing. That's, that's yeah, that's what I'm waiting on. And I, I've seen that from Craig in the past. Sure. And so I would love to see them on second down or, you know, on first, first or second down, have Craig in there and trying, you know, chunk out six, seven, eight yards, right? And if you can gives you a whole wide variety of things that you can do. I don't think you're going to get in second and two with Jamal back there. And, and, and as much as I love Jamal, and I just don't see that explosiveness um, to his game. He's There's a role. He's great at it. He's got four touchdowns already. You know what I mean? Like he's sure. ne- he, yeah. never, he never had multi-touchdown game in his career, and he's already had two this year. Yeah. Right? Like that's he's playing well. He is. Nothing but against him. He, he just there's he's not, not the home run a part of his game that yeah he's not that yeah and I you know look I don't even need home runs he's not the double he's not getting you doubles <laughs> right. he's not get, he's not getting you infield triples you know what I mean like, yeah <laughs> as opposed to outfield triples right well <laughs> get both sure all right <laughs> we're gonna end it there uh, thank you Eric for for joining us for being back uh, we'll be doing this weekly again every Tuesday afternoon between 12 and 2 you can join us here live on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit we'll also have a whole bunch of other stuff on our podcast feed including first bite this week breaking down lion seahawks before it happens we actually have a special podcast coming later this week as well which uh, to our live audience we're going to be recording later today but until then thank you all for joining us thank you all for listening it's chaos be kind (laughs) 